You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Connecticut Real Estate Edge. Got a really, really special guest with us this morning, this afternoon, or this evening, depending on where you're listening to us from. In today's episode, we are going to be interviewing a real estate mogul, Mr. Shannon Robnett. Mr. Robnett's from Idaho, Boise, Idaho, right? Yes, sir. And super successful real estate investor, just got a lot of real estate wisdom, and I thought he'd be a great fit to bring on to the podcast to talk about maybe some topics we haven't dived into as much here, open up your eyes to some new information and some knowledge that might help you to build wealth through real estate, not only here in Connecticut, but nationwide, much like Shannon has done. So Shannon, thank you so much for taking your time out. I know you're a busy guy. Thank you again for being on today's episode with us. Hey, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So let's kind of kick this off by telling you a little about Shannon, because most of you probably don't know who Shannon is. So Shannon is a real estate mogul. He has over 35 years of experience and has really concentrated on that Boise, uh, Boise, Idaho real estate market. He'll tell us a little bit about that. And, you know, one of the things that attracted me most to Shannon is the fact that he's a second generation builder, a fourth generation realtor, and he's a real estate developer as well. Did I get all that right, Shannon? That's it. So before, or I should say, as we kick off today's interview with you here and give our listeners some amazing nuggets about real estate and building wealth here, as you've done, can you talk about just a few of the key principles that you've used in your life, specifically when it comes to, you know, home building, real estate, developing all that stuff that you do on a daily basis? Well, you know, I started out my career building houses, but I quickly learned I didn't like homeowners. Uh, and so I shifted my business into commercial. And at that point, uh, I built everything from police stations to medical facilities, schools, gymnasiums, uh, a lot of industrial, multifamily and uh, I, I kept finding out that every time I got done building a building for someone else as a builder, uh, I was done getting paid. And so I began to look at how to add more value to myself as well as to others. And in 2001, I did my first industrial development for myself. Uh, I still have two of those original tenants in the buildings uh, currently. And um, it's been a way for me to create a passive stream of income and then over the last uh, decade, I well, 2001, that's actually 20 years, uh, I was partnering with individuals and I partnered with a doctor here, a, a real estate guy there, a, 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 an attorney over here, and we do a project. And I got to the point where the last project I did was with a family office and uh, they brought in a $19 million cash injection uh, for a 180 unit apartment complex. And... Uh, during the course of that, the family office essentially broke up and I was left without a capital stream. And so I began to syndicate capital. And that's just a fancy word for uh, partnership in my crowdfunding. Opinion. Yeah, crowdfunding, uh, you know, but you have a lot of people that like the, the benefits of real estate without the experience or the desire to do it. And they partner with someone who has the experience and the desire to do it. And uh, we've done... Uh, 
we've done quite a bit in the last four years. We've raised about $65 million in that time. And uh, we've got about $120 million worth of real estate in current phases of development. And we've got about 100, 120 to kick off in the next 18 months. Nice. Well, something that I wanted to pick your brain about is a lot of our listeners here on Connecticut Real Estate Edge, they're first-time buyers, first-time investors. They're just now getting into the real estate game. Maybe they've owned a couple homes and now they're becoming investors and actually like building a portfolio. Some are dabbling in commercial, as you mentioned. But something that you mentioned that we've talked about on our show before is real estate syndication and really just real estate crowdfunding, taking little bits of money from a lot of people. And I know that one of the reasons I love real estate crowdfunding and syndication is because instead of taking money and getting into one deal, you can take that same money and get into multiple deals, diversify, right? And that's one of the name of the game. So can you talk a little bit about the syndication piece, minimum investments? How can people get involved in that if they want to do commercial real estate, they want to get involved in some of the things that you're doing, but they don't have the knowledge and they don't have this millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that, you know, the thing that most people don't see about real estate is that, you know, the largest expense in anyone's life is taxes. And it's estimated that we pay up to half or more of our income in taxes. And one thing that real estate does is it allows you to not only get involved with real estate and get depreciation and get relief from those taxes, but it also allows you to leverage that. Nothing else in the, in the investment world allows you to use leverage like real estate does. And so what happens a lot of times is people, uh, I get a lot of people that are making two, three, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000. They have the additional funds, but they don't have the additional time. Or they have the additional funds, they have some time, but they lack the knowledge to deploy that. And so when you get involved in a syndication, there's two people, there's two entities involved in the syndication. One is the general partner, and they generally do everything, right? They they mm -hmm. take care of buying it, uh, leasing it, constructing it, renovating it, whatever's necessary, whatever that business plan is, that's their job. And they typically invest some capital in the deal. And then there's the limited partners, and the limited partners are you guessed it, Robert, they're limited because they have limited liability. They have limited responsibility. And in essence, they're not signing on the loans. They're not guaranteeing the work. They're not guaranteeing the vacancy rates. They're not doing any of those kinds of things. They are simply along for the ride with an experienced real estate professional. With that, they get the benefits of the depreciation, they get the benefits of the appreciation, they get the benefits of the cash flow without having all of the time requirements and knowledge. And, you know, depending on who you partner with in that, most syndicators, I know I do, uh, make sure that if you've got, a, 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 if you're on a quest for knowledge and you want to say, hey, you know what, I see what you're doing, I recognize that there's value there, I want to be an investor, but I want to learn how to do it. I will sit down and I will teach you step-by-step step what we're doing, how we betted this deal, why we picked this one, why we picked this market, where we're getting our financing, and really just go open kimono with you and show you because the thing that I think is the most valuable thing in real estate isn't the real estate, it's the knowledge. And if you can replicate that, you know, real estate is really pretty simple. 
once you get in a groove and once you figure out what one thing does and how to do that again and again, it's pretty scalable. Uh, but there's also a lot that goes into that learning curve. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, I think syndication is a great way to get involved. It's the way I've gotten involved mm -hmm. in about 90% of my commercial real estate holdings yeah. are syndications. Um, there's only one specific property that I have direct ownership and I manage. Other than that, all of my commercial real estate is held in syndications. So yeah. I am a huge proponent of it. Along those lines, though, I think a big question is like, even for me, when I was starting out, you know, you're getting together small amounts of money. I was fortunate to get involved in real estate syndication when it went online early in like 2009, 2010, really right. the early stages. So I was able to get in on deals at really, really low minimum amounts. I was able to get involved in deals with as little as five and $10,000 when I started out. Yeah. What are you seeing? What is your minimum for like an accredited investor that's coming in that wants to dip their toe in the water, maybe partner with you guys on a deal or a couple? What is, what is your barrier to entry? Well, we have a $50,000 minimum. And okay. I think that when you're looking at it, Robert, it, it has probably more to do with asset size, right? When you're buying a half a million dollar deal and you've got to come up with 30% down, you've got to come up with it with uh, 150 grand. So you could have 15 investors at 10 grand, right? Yep. But you know, our, our deal, we got a deal going right now that's $80 million. We've got to raise 26 million. So if we had to do that with what we have uh, in, in the five and $10,000- Oh, I know, it'd be a nightmare. It would, it would be a lot to manage, right? And then there's some SEC rules that tell us- Oh, I'm uh, aware. You know, 35 unaccredited investors is the maximum. And so mm -hmm. you've got a lot to juggle there. And I think yep. that that's also a very important note is that all of these are uh, investment documents that are registered with the SEC or they're supposed to be, right? So you do have some oversight on that. There's a lot of oh, rules yeah. and regulations, uh, but it is, it is like you said, it's an opportunity to get involved in a large-scale development or a large-scale industrial play or a large-scale, uh, you know, existing multifamily without having to come up with the five, ten, fifteen million dollar down payment. Yeah. So for me, I think the number one benefit was sourcing deals because Absolutely. in real estate, especially now, it's a needle in a haystack to find a good deal, right? Yeah. So yeah. by partnering with some of these different real estate syndication portals, people like yourself you know, they've gone out and found good deals. Obviously, I've been doing that for over a decade. So like the market has matured, the market has shifted. But doing the real estate syndication for me, it was either buy one or two pieces of property, maybe one right. or two commercial pieces, right? If that, or get involved in like 30, 40, 50 syndications. Okay. Yeah. Here's yeah. what that looks like for me, at least to our listeners. So you can apply it yourself is Let's say you've got $150,000, $200,000 and you are going to go buy a building or two with that, multifamily, apartment, whatever. No, no, no. Put that aside. Partner with a syndicator, someone that's already got experience, a sponsor like Shannon that already is boots on the ground where you want to be and invest in them, invest in a project, invest in something that they've already vetted out. Okay. Now, instead of just getting in on one deal, you can get in, he said, $50,000 minimum. So you could theoretically take 150000 and get involved in three different commercial real estate deals versus just one. Why is that better? Diversification, 
property type, geography, cash flow, there's huge benefits. Okay. Right. Any real estate investor is including uh, including you, I'm sure, can attest to the fact that having your money spread through three properties is better than having it in one. Okay. Absolutely. And you know, Robert, there's there's also different reasons for real estate investing, right? We have a lot of people that they're not necessarily as interested in the returns as they are in the tax benefits, right? I, mean, I was just gonna to, ask you that. Yeah, yeah can you talk yeah. a little bit about the syndication part, you know, mixing with these tax benefits, because I know you have a really big knowledge base of tax advantages, tax strategies. Right. Can you weave that in with the syndications as to why your specific methods and your knowledge and implementation of these tax strategies is better than just any other syndicator out there? Because not all of them do this by any means. Well, I mean, let's just take, for example, um, you know, we, we just got a cost segregation study back and a cost segregation study is the main form of using bonus depreciation mm -hmm. on commercial real estate. So I'm going to compare this industrial building to a house, right? Uh, so in our market, if you're buying a $450,000 house to rent, um, that house is probably built on a $100,000 lot. So the first thing that the cost segregation study does, they say, well, we can't depreciate land, so we take that out. So you've got $350,000 that we can do a cost segregation on. Well, let's just roughly say that's a third of the value that you cannot depreciate. When we did a commercial cost segregation for a property we bought in Houston, Texas, that was an industrial uh, development, it was two buildings, uh, I think it was about 12 tenants, we were actually looking at a land value of $600,000 on a $6 million purchase. So 10%, so we had 20% more going into our cost segregation. The other thing is when you look at things that costs segregate, right? So a cost segregation, you have a specialist that comes in and they say, hey, you know, uh, asphalt only has a 15 year life, landscaping has a 15 year life, um, you know, the, the, Exterior paint has a 15-year life. Carpet, tenant improvements, things like that have a five-year life. The, the slab has a 30-year life. So there's different things that they do. And they break this down and allow you to take the different amounts of depreciation in that year. Well, when you look at a house, a house doesn't have a parking lot, right? Uh, it's got minimal landscape. Um, most of what's in there is not a tenant improvement. It's a kitchen, right? And it's a and it's a, a living room, and it's things that don't really segregate very well. So what we found is that if you're doing, if you're buying an individual home and doing the cost segregation on it, you're probably going to come up with about thirty-five or forty percent less depreciation per dollar spent on the building than what we would come up with in commercial. Uh, there's and there's some some other ways that we go about making that a reality. But at the end of the day, if your focus is on tax benefits, you're going to get a lot more value out of being in the commercial space. Yeah. And for people like you pointed out very very clearly earlier, Robert, that don't have uh, a a big chunk of money. I mean, six million dollars. We had to, we we got a uh, we assumed a four percent loan. We put fifty percent down. So we had three million dollars going into this our cost segregation came back and gave everybody a really substantial chunk of depreciation that allowed them to move forward. So I think everyone, the big takeaway here that Shannon's talking about is we all know about the real estate tax benefits, even just owning your own home, right? 
There's a lot more tax benefits when it comes to commercial real estate. And you can take those to another level using the cost segregation strategy, which I would say like that is the hottest strategy right now that I've seen all operators really using. So the issue is it's very time intensive, cost intensive to do this cost segregation. You don't have time, especially if you only have one building, right? So again, it makes it such a great opportunity, such a fluid opportunity for someone to take money and invest it with a sponsor, invest it with a syndicator, let them do the legwork, let them do all the, you know, get their hands dirty with the CPAs, the accountants, all these people doing all this calculation, and then just hand you tax forms that you can then write off. And I can tell you, it it's great. It's passive, right? That's the big yeah. thing. You're getting the write-offs. No one's calling you with issues with the building. That's the syndicator's part, right? That's the sponsor's part. So if you can talk a little about how you stay updated on all these different tax incentives, because this stuff is constantly changing, right? Yeah. Well, and and Robert, I was just uh, wanting, hoping you'd, you'd lead me to this point because, you know, I just, I spend probably, probably three full weeks a year with my tax strategist. And there's a big difference between a tax strategist and an accountant. Oh, right? yeah. An accountant counts the chickens after they hatched, right? Mm -hmm. And he tells you how much you owe the government for those chickens. But a tax strategist will help you put together a game plan, a, a, a an entity structure that prevents you from having to uh, pay taxes, right? It, it allows you to set up the structures like the very wealthy do that allow you to not have to play that tax game. and you know, I, I'll give you one, I'll give you a quick tip that every listener in your audience that has their own home can use. You've probably not heard of the Augusta rule. The Augusta rule is actually a ruling that came out from the IRS and it came from the master's tournament because everybody that was living around that golf course every year, they wanted to rent out their house for the masters. Obviously, if you've got Tiger Woods coming into town and, and Phil Mickelson and all those guys and everybody wants to see them, your house on that golf course is very, very valuable. Well, the Augusta rule says that you can rent out your house for 14 days a year and not pay any taxes on the revenue that you receive mm -hmm. from that rental, right? Now, I know a lot of people don't want to go, well, I'm not going to turn my house into an Airbnb for 14 days, okay? But if you're a homeowner and a business owner, you can now have business events at your home. And yeah. let's just say that you're charging $2,000 for your rental of your home, because you have to think about this. You've got to pack up all your things. You've got to take everything out. You've right. got to make it so that it's rent ready, right? But if you're having 14 events at your home and you're renting this for $1,000 a day, you're able to prevent $28,000, if you do it to uh, $2,000 a day, you're able to prevent almost $30,000 from having to be taxed because of the Augusta rule. Now, I learned that from a tax strategist, right? Uh, there's some really great people out there. Ed Milet uses this. You know, he does his podcast from his house every once in a while. Uh, there's a lot of people that use this because they have multi-million dollar mansions that, you know, the rent is $20,000, $30,000 a day. And this is a great way to defer the taxes. I got this information by paying to be in a tax seminar. Mm -hmm. Not exactly the most exciting thing in the world, but these are the kind of things that I learned. And so this is why I encourage a lot of people to be with the people that are a level or two above you. And the way to do that easily 
is to get into syndications and see what they're doing and see the strategies and rub shoulders with these guys and get to know what they're doing because you're going to, by default, get that information and get that benefit. I agree. I think a lot of people unfortunately look at an at, at this type of real estate and real estate in general as kind of all or nothing meaning they feel like they have to focus on a specific asset class asset type geography yeah. Yeah. that's not the case this opens really opens the can for everyone to be able to invest all over the nation all over the united states and internationally even yeah. now i personally haven't uh invested internationally in real estate i've seen some projects in india and south america that have definitely you know caught my eye i've seen some development in central america i've been very interested in but i haven't pulled the trigger yet so i i, I want to make a distinction for everyone to don't look at this as oh i don't own a home yet i can't partner with shannon i can't do syndication no this is one piece of the puzzle. And I think a foundational piece is obviously owning your own home, of course, to live in. A foundational piece is having maybe one or a couple investment properties. But what we're talking about today with Shannon is going to that next level. Once you've got that home or a couple and you wanna branch out and really build your wealth, you can do that and you don't need millions of dollars. You can do that with tens of thousands of dollars with the right. same amount that you'd put in on a down payment for a duplex or a triplex right here in Connecticut. You could take that and invest in at least one or maybe a couple of these syndication projects in other parts of the country and let other people do the work for you as part of doing that. So look at this as just one piece of your personal wealth plan, your personal puzzle that you're putting together. And I think there's huge benefit there. So as we wrap up, Shannon, if, can you talk about just some final words of win wisdom, some final advice, specifically for those that are navigating real estate for the first time, whether it be buying their first home or getting into the real estate investment game for the first time and trying to get to that next level, whatever that may be. Well, I'll tell you, uh, a lot of people do exactly what you said. They they think of it as all or nothing. And when they get involved, they buy a house, they become the property manager, they become the leasing agent, they become all those things. But what, what I tell people to do is every year, take your tax return and see what you made that year, your gross. Then divide it by 52 weeks and divide it by 40 hours. That is your billable rate, okay? Now, most people that are in, in this will see that hiring a property manager, if, if they do it themselves, they're just buying another job because the property manager is working as cheap or cheaper than them. And so, plus they don't have the knowledge that the property manager has. They don't have the connections. They don't have the, the, the full staff. And so, what I would tell anybody that's getting involved in real estate, get the professional involved, follow them around, take notes, learn from them, because you wouldn't go down to the Ford dealership when you take your car in and say, hey, I want to do an oil change, push the guy out of the way, use his tools to change your oil and the filters, right? You wouldn't do that. But so many people try and do that with real estate. They think, I've got to do this. And that's not the case. And you will not get the best results. Now, the second thing I'll tell you is where do you make your money in real estate, Robert? On the buy. On the buy. Now, if you're spending Saturday uh, replacing the water heater and cutting the grass and replacing the window screens, you're not out there looking for your next deal. You're hung up on the first one. And so you're limiting yourself on your ability to expand your portfolio. And if worst case scenario, you're a professional at a thing, 
Go work at that thing, pay somebody else to do this other stuff, because then you will accumulate what's necessary to go out and make the money in real estate again on the buy. That's the way to do it. And, you know, again, the real estate market's changed. The real estate market shifted. What I can tell you as someone who's involved in all these syndications and a lot of different portals, I'm even now getting deals sent to me every week of new opportunities. Yep. That's the power of the syndications here. You know, that's definitely the big power. But what I what I want you to be able to show everyone, Shannon, is if somebody's listening to us today, they want to get involved. They hear you talking they say, you know what? I do want to pull the trigger on some real estate syndications. I do need to add this to my portfolio overall. What are the best ways for them to get in contact with you? We make it really simple. We've got all of our information centralized at shannonrobnet.com. So if you go there, you can see our deals. You can actually, you can even get on my calendar and we can talk, right? If you've got questions, I've got answers. We've got a ton of educational material. You can get to all of our social media channels, our YouTube with all of our uh, deal flow and, and experiences. And I underwrite markets on there. There's all kinds of information that you could get into. So there's a ton that you can tap into, but that's just at shannonrobnet.com. Awesome. Well, you've been a wealth of information, a lot of new topics we've discussed and diving in a little deeper to some things we've discussed in previous episodes as well. So I wanna thank you for your time, Shannon. Absolutely been a pleasure. Hope to have you on another time as well to talk about some other real estate items and keep up the great work with everything that you're doing. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Take care. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.